Welcome to the Arts Hubbub, a regular look inside Australian arts and artists. I'm your host, George Dunford. It's the ability for an audience to be able to sit with in immediate proximity to the real experience in a way that you would never get from watching the TV or reading a newspaper article or even going to a march or something. That's Yadinji and Miriam woman, Rachel Mazza, talking about the power of theatre as a tool that also helps us understand one another's stories at a personal and an emotional level. As well as being an actor, director and dramaturg, Rachel is the artistic director of Ilbidgery, the Melbourne-based First Nations theatre company, which this year celebrates its 30th anniversary. In this episode of the Arts Hubbub, we celebrate the company's legacy and its future in a wide-ranging interview with Rachel. One of the inciting events, I think, was the national, was it the first or the second National Indigenous Playwrights Conference? And certainly in terms of uh, Ilbidgery, uh, story has it, John Harding attended the conference and was so fired up, came back to Melbourne and was like, that's it, we need our own theatre company. And so Ilbidgery was born. Nor did the company enter the world alone. And it's funny because... um. It, uh, is it Bangara just turned 30? So we're, we're only a year behind them. Um, a year after us is Yuri Arkin. So there was this little moment in time in the late, late 80s, early 90s where there was a bit of a, a renaissance and a wave of, of a, a, you know, a, a movement happening in the performing arts. Such movement has included the loss of certain companies along the way as well as frustrations about the pressures placed on Ilbidgery today. There have been many companies uh, that have come and gone over the years. Uh, in fact, when I started, we were about to form a, an alliance of all the black organisations, of which there were five, because there was Kuma Tajara in Brisbane, and there was, and I, oh, apologies, I can't remember the name of the company that was in Darwin, but uh, they were a dance company. But anyway, um, and there's, there's Merigeku as well, who... Um, uh, a fantastic um, partnership between Dahlia and, and Rachel. Anyway, so there's only a handful and, uh, and it looked, 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 to be honest, it's such a frustration and there needs to be so many more, you know, like, because what happens in practice is this kind of pressure to be everything. So we're trying to do social impact work and educational work as well as internal training for the next generation of arts workers, um, as well as our mainstream productions, our health shows. You know, it's just insane. It's almost like every arm of the company that we do should be its own company by rights, um, as is the norm with those from the other sectors. Attracting funding is an ongoing challenge for the company in part because of the perceptions from funding bodies that one black show is enough. We still have a syndrome in this country of, well, we've already got one. So even though there are only four companies, we are, um, we are still competing. So, so we'll go in for funding and already there's, you know, three other black productions being applied for. And you can see the look on their faces and you know what they're thinking. It's like, oh, well, we, we only need one. You know, like, so it doesn't take much before, yeah, this, this, this country's got a, a long way to go. We, we're, we're a long way from getting past that point where we've got our one blank show syndrome. At Arts Hub, we've been supporting Australian art for over 20 years. 
Our team of writers and journalists keep the arts community informed and connected, a vital role in these difficult times. Right now, we need your help to continue being the go-to news source for the arts sector. You can join or give a membership to a friend at support.artshub.com.au. Rachel has of course been part of a rich history of theatre. Her father, Bob Mazza, along with Uncle Jack Charles, who we spoke to for episode 9 of the Arts Hub Up, co-founded Nindathana, the first Aboriginal theatre company in Australia. There's no doubt that I am absolutely the product of the world that I grew up in. Um, you know, my very early memories of... I don't remember Nindathana, though I do, I do have a memory of um, some of the skits, but I actually think that's from the National Black Theatre because the production that would then go and tour, uh, they did the bus tour in 19... Oh, I can't remember what year it was now, 1974? Anyway, there was a bus tour from Sydney to Yarrabah and basically they had a production called Basically Black of which there's a half hour ABC kind of like shortened version of that. Um, but the, some of those skits actually came from the original uh, Nindathana production of Jack Charles Up and Fighting. So hence that my memories are a little kid, so exactly where I saw it, I'm not sure. But um, uh, without a doubt, that was the world I grew up in. That whole kind of extraordinarily exciting um, world of theatre. Mind you, there's no separation between the theatre that was being made and the, and the marches that the politics and the art, it was all part of the same fight, I guess, and, and my whole identity is this kind of omelette of, you know, protest, political protest and theatre. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it's a pretty exciting time. So it, without a doubt, everything about what, what I understand um, theatre as a powerful political tool is at the heart of everything I do and, and hence you know the work that we do here at Obituary is very much informed by my influences you know, and it's absolutely um, utilising the space and the opportunity so that uh, that arts funding doesn't get wasted it's a missed opportunity otherwise but yeah what's the message or the story that needs to be told um, here and now to kind of you know, in the in the fight, <laughs> in the ongoing fight for justice and equality. Yeah. After a year of COVID closures, Ilbidjuri's celebrations will be very different. But it has been a moment to take stock and realise what's most important about the company. Wow, I mean, this year, you know, we're just coming off the back of COVID like everybody, so it's been quite, quite extraordinary. I mean, interestingly enough, um, the projects that, that, that we're delivering, it's actually not so much what the projects are specifically, it's the process. That's the big step, actually, for the company, for, in my, my mind. Um, and it's probably, you know, everyone listening to this, um, to this podcast, uh, especially those founding members of Ilbidjuri will be going, yeah, that's how we started. Not, and I'm sorry, I know that this is not, I'm not inventing anything new, but it's that real consolidating those foundations. And, and actually having this 30th anniversary has been a real kind of moment to sit back and reflect on where we started, who we are, why we exist and who we exist for. And without a doubt, um, you can 
you know, get um, distracted by all the challenges. Like, without a doubt, this last 13 years for me, is a, has I've been hell-bent focused on building the profile of the company and... Um, you know, really ensuring that that black theatre has a has a solid place in the cultural landscape of this country, and and hence hitting our thirtieth anniversary is like oh, and now don't forget, now don't forget why you're here. So yeah, it's about how we work, and that kind of traditional Western get a play together in um, in you know four week rehearsal. It's just is not how we want to work anymore. For Rachel. Ilbidgery has represented a chance to change her artistic practice, an evolution from being an actor, director and dramaturg. It represented a big change for her. It's been a massive growing up for me these 13 years, and I would definitely... What's that movie? Um, accidental Hero? Yeah, I feel like an accidental leader. Like like that kind of being forced into a leadership position. I, I There wasn't a... Oh my gosh, like a week where I wouldn't pine for being an independent artist, you know, freelancer, who knows where your next paycheck's coming from, not responsible to anybody but yourself. And I'm like, oh, I really long for those days. But um, I've really, um, I've really valued and appreciated the, the, the growing up that I've had to do in this role because out of necessity, it's, um, yeah, it's really required me to have to step up um, you know, in, and have big conversations where normally I would have run in the opposite direction, you know, really tough, hard, big conversations. But that said, how exciting um, that kind of, you know, the, the ability to be able to big picture think and strategize and um, which is, you know, I mean, like I said, there's still a lot of work to do. Uh, we've a long way to go, but yeah, no, I've, I've really appreciated the growing up and the learnings that I've had. Yeah, it's been amazing. And what a privilege. What, I mean, one of the things I absolutely adored when I, I got so frustrated as an actor, I got into directing, that was definitely more satisfying. I felt like I was making my way up the creative food chain. Uh, being an artistic director was a whole nother step again. So, you know, I often felt like as an actor, you're kind of, you're the last person to kind of contribute to the decisions that have been made around that piece, which was politically very and culturally very frustrating for me. Um, director, you, yeah, you start to have much more say in the room. I suddenly felt like someone had ripped the gaff off my mouth and I could, I could share my ideas. I loved it. Artistic director is that next step again where you're actually at the seeding of the idea. And that was super exciting because then it's literally like, okay, what are the stories that need to be told? You know, what is it? Oh, you know, like really being right at this at the inception of, of the, the why and the what. So, yeah, that's been pretty cool. Part of celebrating the company's history to date also means looking to its future. So what do the next few years look like for Ilbidgery? Why are there only three, four, whatever it is, performing arts companies, five if you include peak body, um, black dance? Um, uh, what I'm very aware of, and actually there's quite a big conversation going on at the moment behind closed doors across the sector to address this exact issue because there has been and continues to be and there has been no movement in this area in regards to, um, uh, well, anyway, basically what is, a, what is a serious crisis issue of scarcity. There is still 
Only one set designer in this country. There, are, there is one and another one coming up. Lighting designer in this, you know, black follow lighting designers. Like it's really bleak, and um, and it's a big challenge. So, and one thing um, all our companies are doing at the moment it is building into our organisation as much as we can. But you know, it's stretching. It's stretching the arts dollar as far as it can go to ensure that there are creating pathways within productions, attachments with designers and lighting. We're building that into our budgets. But it's, you know, it's like I said, you're, you're stretching the arts dollar to, be, to, to, to incorporate training and recruit, you know, um, professional development opportunities. So it's, it's tough. It really is challenging. Um, so, yeah, we're literally in, in conversations with the powers that be out there about coming on board and to really um, invest in a kind of sector-wide strategy um, and, and a program to go with that and the budget <laughs> to make it happen. Yeah, so, so there's, a, there's a lot of um, potential and, and work to be done because we've got a lot of work to do in this space. Elbidgery will celebrate its 30th anniversary with a range of productions and co-productions, along with a book on its three decades of evolution. Thanks again for joining us for the Arts Hubbub. Our guest this month was Rachel Mazza. The Arts Hubbub is produced by John Cheer, Sabine Briggs, Richard Watts and me, George Nutford. Our theme music is Chasing Waterfalls by Tim Scheel. This podcast is produced on the lands of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Kulin elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. Mm-hmm.